You're listening to the Write Project Podcast and Radio Program. This is a show about writing and modern Newfoundland author culture. This show is produced and recorded at CHMR 93.5 FM in Newfoundland and can be heard on that station and online at chmr.ca. I am your host, Matthew LeDrew, founder of Engine Books and author of the Xander Drew series, a supernatural detective thriller from Engine Books. If you'd like to subscribe to get bonus content, including an extra episode every month, you can do that in the description below. Thank you for joining us. Let's see what we have today. Thank you for tuning in to the Write Project podcast. We have a special treat for you today. I know I say that every day is special, but this one really is. Uh, today, I'm not going to be talking. We have a special presentation of a short fiction by Jennifer Shelby called The Feline, The Witch, and The Universe. Uh, Jennifer Shelby is a Atlantic Canadian author that will soon be featured in the upcoming YA series Slipstreamers. Let's hear it from Jennifer Shelby and her short story, The Feline, The Witch, and The Universe. The Feline, The Witch, and The Universe by Jennifer Shelby This is impossible, ma'am. Witches don't exist in outer space. It's all science out here, I'm afraid said the boarding guard, a large fellow with a uniform strained at the buttons and frayed along the cuffs. Sorcher would have turned him into a toad if she didn't need access to the message board of the biggest refueling station in the solar system. The ads she'd placed in digital spaces had yielded nothing. Yes, well, thank you for advising me that I do not exist. I recognize that you will probably not be changing your worldview today, but if you would please post this flyer on your message board of a missing cat who is far too magical to leave at large in your scientific universe. What does this magical cat do? She once battered the moon's reflection out of a puddle and caused the great tidal apocalypse of Earth. The guard snorted. Impossible. I'm sure the citizens of Earth will be pleased to hear that. The flyer? Sir, please? Sorcha forced herself to smile, the sort of smile men expect when women ask them for a favor. He accepted the flyer she held out to him. Missing cat, it read. Below was the photo of a black cat with squinting amber eyes, his teeth bared mid-hiss. Answers to the name of Smudge may display magical abilities. If found... Please contact Sorsha the Sorceress, 5E567. If you're a witch, why can't you magic your cat back home? Sorsha resisted the urge to roll her eyes. He hadn't put the poster on the board yet. Because he's my familiar, it would be a betrayal of our sacred bond. The guard stared, his forehead scrunching into confused wrinkles. Sorsha sniffed. A witch's familiar is a partner in the magical arts. We cannot use our magic against each other one day and in unison the next. Not even if he's lost? The guard gestured to the endless twinkle of far-flung stars outside the hangar. 
She has to want to be found first, Sorsha grumbled. Her mood lifted as the guard unlocked the bulletin board and pinned Smudge's flyer in the centre. Thank you, kind sir. Sorsha tucked the remaining flyers back into her bike satchel and tugged her black helmet over her dark braided hair. She swung her leg over the seat of the old red Raleigh she'd lovingly restored years ago. A basket with a smudge-sized satin pillow hung from the handlebars. The Raleigh was the only thing she owned that wasn't black, which filled her with a strange pride. The bike's chrome glinted in the starlight, hinting at the hours she'd spent polishing it back to its original shine. Shame she'd never gotten a chance to ride much. Wait, said a human hybrid, refueling his star cruiser. You can't go out on that. You'll die of exposure. It's a magical bike, Sorsha told them with pride. I ensorcelled it with some of the best magic you'll find in these souls. She handed him a business card from her pocket and reached for another flyer. I'm a witch. A witch? Shouldn't you have a broom then? Sorsha glared at him. Honestly, I don't have enough energy to unpack the problems with that statement. Nor is it my responsibility. I recommend you go home, educate yourself, and please let me know if you happen across my missing cat. She pushed one of her flies at him in disgust and pedaled through the force field into deep space. Where the necromancing nebulas was that cat? She steered her Raleigh round the rings of Saturn, one eye on the lightning bolts flashing on the stormy planet and the other watching for Smudge in the ring's debris. Smudge, she called out, her voice growing hoarse over time. Here, Smudgy, Smudgy, Smudgy. Come on, Smudgebot 5000, who's a Smudgetastic kitty. The lightning grew more frantic as she cycled past Saturn's dragon storm. Sorsha read about the storm years ago when she was contemplating taking a cycling tour of these rings. The storm contained no actual dragons which irked her. Names should mean something. Sorsha looked behind her. No one around. She conjured a smallish yellow dragon with a puff of smoke and sent it into the storm. It swirled with delight to be alive, ate a bolt of lightning, and dove deeper into the storm cell. Sorsha stifled a snort of laughter, pedalling off to resume her search for smudge. There was no reason she couldn't have fun searching for her naughty friend. After a lengthy rest on an asteroid, Sorsha headed to a black hole on the edge of Andromeda. What better place for a black cat to hide than a black hole? Sorsha sighed. She was reaching, and she knew it. But she had to search somewhere. The black hole's time distortion proved hard on the Raleigh's gears. But the witch soon came up with a spell to counteract the distortion. She couldn't help but be pleased with herself on that one. The job she had done of late did little to challenge her skills. She hadn't realised how stagnant she'd gotten. Her delight reminded her why she got into the business of magic in the first place. A number of ships lay trapped in the black hole's event horizon. Bored faces peering from the portholes and viewing decks. Sorsha slowed her pedalling and held up Smudge's flyer. 
the onlookers shook their heads. They hadn't seen her cat. She pasted the flyer to a few windows of the bigger ships just in case. She conjured a brush from the ether to apply glue as she peered through one of those windows. A small girl held up a picture of her own. A man, probably her father, smiled from the photograph. Ah, necromancing nebulas. The kid's family wasn't trapped in the event horizon with her. Her parents would be ancient by the time the girl got back to them, and she'd only be a week older. Poor kid. Science wasn't going to be able to solve this problem. Sorsha pulled her agenda from the bike satchel. She'd need at least a week magicking everything to rights, so the girl would grow up with her family. She found a free week, later than she would have liked, but with the girl's temporal distortion, she wouldn't be waiting long. Sorsha penciled it in and held up the agenda for the girl to see. The girl knitted her brow and shrugged. She didn't understand, but it couldn't be helped. She'd find out soon enough, and in the meantime, Smudge was still missing. Sorsha pedaled into the gravity well, calling Smudge's name. She stopped once to bolster her force fields and fix a flat tire. The ride inside the black hole proved a wild race. Through an unexpected wormhole of twisting stars and whirling nebulas, Smudge, who didn't like fast rides, would not have enjoyed it but she wasn't in her basket. Sorsha allowed herself to have fun, whooping through the twists and turns and unexpected drops that left her belly way up in her chest and gasping with glee. The wormhole deposited Sorsha and the Raleigh near the ruins of an old feline temple. Early space explorers had revered the many feline species found across the universe, some too much turning to worship, ritualistic litter box cleansings, and sacred petting hours. Monks devoted themselves to the meditation of sitting while cats napped on their laps. The faith lasted for a few generations of monks before the temples were abandoned, their protective force fields left in place out of respect for history and the feral cat colonies which developed there. It wouldn't be the worst place for Smudge to end up. There were several animal welfare groups who made sure the feral colonies had food, fresh water, and an occasional mass neutering to keep the population in check. Sorsha pedaled around the wreck. Built like a stone cathedral, these temples were the closest thing to castles a witch could find in outer space. She often felt a certain kinship with the things but had never visited one until now. A small spell allowed her through the environmental force field, and she leaned her rally against a crumbling stone wall. The place had decent gravity, considering the castle didn't spin. Rumour had it the original monks had trapped a small gravity well and built the temple around it. The science didn't work, but the magic sure as Hecate did. Sorsha tapped her foot on the ground. To her delight, the magic inside the old cathedral tapped back. Whoever set up the original spell had an admirable longevity to their bewitchment. 
What was their secret? Sorsha made a mental note to look that up later. Since science became the dominant universe view, witches and magic were rarely recorded in history. Sorsha suspected there was more to these monks than mere feline worship. Too bad Smudge wasn't with her. The cat would love this place. She stepped around the broken masonry, collecting in the corridors. Smudge? smudge puss Where are you? Her voice echoed off the stonework, and several cats peered over the tops of broken walls. Their heads cocked to listen. A large serval plodded towards her, tail erect, body held in a straight, proud line. I'm looking for my missing cat, said Sorsha. The serval said nothing. Necromancing nebulous, Sorsha cursed. I suppose none of you speak people, do you? Twitching his whiskers, the serval sat on his haunches and tilted his head up to look down his nose at her. I grant you the speech of a familiar. Sorsha let the spell do its work before holding up a flyer. I'm looking for this cat. Have you seen her around the temple? The serval studied Smudge's picture. I have not. And while I know all the felines in my domain, you are welcome to search if it will ease your worry. Sorsha nodded and tucked the flyer away. If you were here, where would you go? In the temple, the highest wall, of course, peering down on everybody in the whole of the universe. The serval's eyes grew distant. I'd choose a throne made of dark matter and demand worship from the very stars. <sighs> Forget my troubles. Have you many troubles? asked Sorsha. There's no one to worship me here. The creature sniffed into the air. Serval's magical Beasts, chosen ones. Like you, I suppose. Sorsha shook her head. I'm no chosen one. I trained my magical bottom off, studying every manual of magic I could lay my hands on. The serval sneered, bearing an impressive canine tooth. But you can't find your missing cat. Sorsha shrugged. She'd never forgive me the disrespect if I used magic on her without her permission. Also, quick note, Wright Project fans, while I have you, my latest book, As Loved Our Fathers, is on store shelves now. If you're listening to this online, you can see a link to it down in the description. I would really appreciate it if you can check it out. It's a hunt for the Holy Grail set in Newfoundland and really examines Newfoundland history. It's my most personal novel to date and brings in a lot of my thoughts on Newfoundland and Newfoundland culture that we've touched on on this show, but I've never really gotten into in my writing. So I'm really interested to see what people think of it. Please give it a check out if you have the ability. You're not worried about their welfare. Did you two have a fight? This time, 
Sorsha's shoulders slumped. <sighs> a big one. The serval stood and arched its back in a long stretch. In that case, you won't be finding your feline friend until they want you to. But you're welcome to look around. Sorsha nodded. The ruins sparkled with interstellar fungi framed in fluorescent flecks of meteor lichens. It whispered of an undiscovered magic that should have thrilled her, but it wasn't the same without Smudge. This was a place they should explore together. Sorsha buckled up her satchel and sat on her old Raleigh. Her spirits low, energy waning, she magicked herself to one of the few places in the universe that still served dark roast. Flossie's was an Andromedan nostalgia diner, harking to an era of occult resistance when self-styled Andromedan archaeologists roamed the galaxy, secretly documenting the occult practices of countless species. The revolving walls of the diner were painted with a parade of runic symbols. Sorsha discovered the place soon after she took up witchcraft. When she was stuck on a particular spell, she'd come here and stare at the revolving runes until her magical blockage eased with caffeine and a rare sense of belonging. She waved to the owner and server, Flossie, a moth-like species of Andromedan, and settled into one of the few chairs that comfortably sat a human. The restaurant lay empty, save a trio of titans in the far gallery. They were laughing over a plate of spaft, an Andromedan delicacy Flossie's was renowned for. Sorsha made the mistake of ordering it once. Most Andromedan food proved unpalatable by human standards. But their dark roast was to die for. Flossie set Sorsha's coffee down without needing to take her order. The server's pink tentacles waved with concern as they turned on their universal translator. Something's wrong, I can tell. One yellow and pink wing touched Sorsha's shoulder, gently. The kindness of the gesture almost set Sorsha to tears. She shook it off and showed Smudge's flyer to her friend. Smudge's run away. Could you post this for me somewhere? Where it would be seen? Sure. Did you two have a fight? The liquid layer over the brown orbs of Flossie's eyes trembled with the vibration of the restaurant's engines, not unlike a human eye filling with tears. Sorsha knew better, but let the comforting sensation of empathy soothe her just the same. Yeah, I told her we couldn't take a vacation we'd hoped for. My caseload is just too heavy. Flossie made a clucking sound with her mouthparts. Sounds like a recipe for burnout. Maybe Kitty had your best interests at heart. Sorsha sipped her coffee. If Smudge wanted me to relax, she wouldn't have run away. Flossie's wings shifted in her species version of a shrug. And where were the two of you hoping to go for this cancelled vacation of yours? We hadn't agreed on a place yet. Smudge wanted to go visit the catnip fields of the feline moons, 
while I wanted to take a cycling tour, explore somewhere I've never been before. Saoirse's voice trailed off. I assume you've already checked those catnip fields for your missing friend? Saoirse's face burned with sudden heat. I haven't. Flossie's wings nodded. Tell you what, I'll put this copy on your tab. You go have yourself a look at those moons. Gulping down the last of her dark roast, Saoirse raced back to her bike. She cycled under a speed spell to the feline moons and considered what she'd say if she found Smudge there. Should she be angry? Cats had little interest in human anger, but Saoirse just couldn't let this go. A familiar couldn't run out on their witch every time they didn't get their way. They were partners. Sure, maybe she had ignored Smudge's complaints of working too hard, but that didn't mean Saoirse considered herself in charge. There was a shortage of witches in the wider universe, an abundance of sentient creatures going into situations science couldn't rescue them from, and Saoirse didn't want them to suffer any longer than they had to. Still, she could have been a better witch to smudge. The feline moons loomed large on the horizon over Felania, a small, dark planet known for the excellent naps one could have there. By contrast, its spinning moons were lush with greenery. It was the 13th moon Smudge wanted to visit. She always chose 13, given the chance. Saoirse coasted the Raleigh down, through the moon's atmosphere, and landed gently on the surface. Once there, she shifted gears and cruised along an empty road through the catnip meadows, watching the green crops sway in the wind. Saoirse let it pull her into a deep state of meditative cycling. Maybe Smudge was right, and the pair of them needed to take more breaks, more vacations. There must be some way to make that possible, without leaving the clients twisting in the solar winds. Small hills rose and fell, enough to make the horizon interesting but not so high as to make cycling a struggle. Saoirse's feet pumped steady at the pedals. What if she altered the spell she used in the event horizon of the black hole she'd searched? Saoirse chewed on that for a bit, taking the mechanics of the spell apart and playing with the composition. If she tweaked this and swapped that, she could fold a temporal distortion of a few souls into an hour. Enough time to get away recharge, and keep a better work-life balance for her and for Smudge. Hmm, imagine how many more clients they could take on if time wasn't a concern. No, 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 no. She couldn't do that to Smudge. In fact, she'd put the cat in charge of making sure that they only manipulated time to get away and take a break. Nothing more. As the system's sun rotated behind Filania's twelfth moon, the ringed moon's silhouette filled the endless sky above the fields. For a few breathless minutes, the sun's rays shone through the water droplets, suspended in the moon's rings, 
bathing the fields in a myriad of rainbows which sent Saoirse's heart skipping with joy. She stopped peddling and watched them, basking in her own forgotten sense of wonder until the rainbows faded. Re-energized, Saoirse's magic tingled and zapped in her fingertips, eager to play. How long had it been since she'd felt like that? The road soon led her to the sort of intergalactic hostel that attracted customers who craved experience over luxury. The employee, a local species of sentient automatrons, nodded when Saoirse showed them Smudge's flyer. Yeah, that cat's been around. Saw her heading into the catnip fields to catch the rainbows. She'll probably be back soon, if you want to wait. I will, said Saoirse. Back outside, she walked her Raleigh over to a bench in the shade of a blue-leafed tree to wait. As she sat down, she noticed a black cat curled in a small pool of sunlight, leaking through the tree's branches. Smudge. Small snores climbed through the air, a steady rhythm gaining traction over the wind. Saoirse stood in a beam of light, blocking it from the curled-up cat. Smudge opened a single eye, saw her there, and purred. Do you have any idea how worried I was? Saoirse asked, her hands to her hips. Which, please? Smudge got to her paws and stretched. You had a blast. I bet you searched one of those black holes you've been going on about for years. Saoirse fixed her witchiest glare on the cat. Smudge twisted around her feet, rubbing against Saoirse's ankles. I'm guessing you explored something wild. Cleared your mind of a decade's worth of cobwebs. And finally gave the old Raleigh the adventure of its life cycle. Maybe, Saoirse smirked. I was worried, though. I'm the familiar here, remember? I worry about you, and you were getting burnt out, my dear sorceress. You weren't going to take a vacation, so I ran away. I knew you'd come looking for me, and I'm willing to bet the sense of purpose suited you better than one of those cycling tours where you have to do what the group wants and stick to mundane trails so you don't offend the scientists. And you didn't have to people, as you like to call it. Saoirse reached for a flyer, holding it up. I did have to people. I had to put these up all over the galaxy. Sniffing at the ink, Smudge preened her whiskers. Did Flossie get one of these? Yes. Saoirse could have magicked the blush creeping over her face away, but Smudge would have known. Any chance there's a few on the rings of satin? How did you know that? Smudge purred and said nothing. I also stopped at the ruins of a feline temple. Without me? Saoirse patted Smudge's cushion in the Raleigh's basket. We can go back together. There's a serval there that you would adore. A serval? The cat leapt into the basket. Did it demand you worship it at once? The witch smiled and swung her leg over the bike seat, 
while Smudge purred and kneaded her cushion. Shall we magic ourselves there or take the long way? The long way, please. I'm in no hurry to go back to work. Jennifer Shelby hunts for stories in the beetled undergrowth of fairy-infested forests. She fishes for them in the dark spaces between the stars. As part of her ongoing catch and release, you can read these stories here in Space and Time. Vivan Kaith's Unlocking the Magic, Flights from the Rock, and on Jennifer's blog at jennifershelby.blog or on Twitter at Jennifer Shelby. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Right Project Podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're interested in any of the books that we've featured here today, there are links in the description for you to purchase those books on Amazon. And when you use those links, Amazon kicks a tiny portion of it back to the channel, which is lovely. It helps everybody, helps the author with the sale, helps the channel, and it helps you find new wonderful books. Either way, thank you so much for listening. It's really appreciated. We'll be here every Monday at 4 p.m. on CHMR and chmr.ca, as well as every Wednesday in 2023 at 2 p.m. with a special episode highlighting Breakwater Books and their 50 years of success in Newfoundland publishing be sure to check both out. Please tune in and we'll talk more about writing culture and writing culture in Newfoundland.